Holden, I was haunted by the fact that this last week, our last episode, we did not talk about the Matrix post credit scene. Is there one? There is a very brief one where they're in the boardroom. Uh, I guess spoilers for the post credit scene that has no relevance oh, at all to the rest yeah. of the movie. Okay, I yeah, I, I think I did see this and yeah, Jimmy's right. There. It's like no spoiler. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but the people in the boardroom are like, What is the what should the next matrix be? And they and they're like, you know, it shouldn't be the matrix at all. It should be cat videos because that's like what people really want to see. They need to see the cat tricks. Yeah. And I'm just saying we dropped the ball because if there was one thing we absolutely needed to talk about last week, it was it that was post credits. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't at all cringy or, or I don't know, outdated. Do I mean, cat videos are still popular, but it's not like mid-2000s cat video level anymore. I'm just saying it's all Holden's fault. Yeah, but, um, okay. <laughs> but I wanted to apologize on behalf of him. So oh, yeah, thank you for doing that. All right, now 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 we can actually move on with this episode this week. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of That One Movie Podcast, also known as Tomp, the weekly show where we discuss movies, games, and TV shows, in addition to kind of whatever. Mainly, we just shout nonsense into our microphones. I'm your host Holden Sutter, joined by my co-host Jimmy Youthy. I am Boba Fett. I <laughs> replace Jabba. No, you're Jimmy Youthy. Sorry. Tamara Morrison. Yeah. Uh, we've got a great episode for you this week featuring our reviews of Don't Look Up, Licorice Pizza, and the first episode of The Book of Boba Fett. That one movie podcast. First, Jimmy, we've got to do the Toms. Toms is a rapid-fire segment where we rate the news of the week in the world of entertainment on a scale of three famous Toms, Brokaw, Bombadil, and Bergeron. Brokaw's the highest, Bombadil's the lowest, and Bergeron is somewhere in between. Jimmy, let's get to it. What what Tom do you want to talk about this week? Tom Hanks. We, I Brokaw. think we've done that before. Uh, Tom We need to be writing these Riddle. Down. Tom Riddle. Yeah, we can do Tom Riddle. Is a Bombadil. Bombadil. I guess he is kind of evil, so yeah. Bombadil for me as well. Yes, thank you. Um, so we uh, start out, we do have uh, some sad news. I'm sure most of you have heard of this already, but as of a couple days ago, Betty White passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, big surprise. I, I mean, it was, she's, she's 99 years old, literally just a couple of weeks away from turning 100. Um, and she had like she had like this whole like people magazine like retrospective piece like all made up that was supposed to be coming out the next week or so i think she had like posted on twitter something about like feeling really good about her birthday or something just a few like a few days before she died it was just like seemed out of nowhere i don't even know if we know exactly how she died um but yeah unfortunately betty white famed famed actress and comedian with I think like I can't remember how many decades I saw probably like eight decades of like experience on TV 
stuff like that. Very trailblazing in terms of women being on television and producing television and all of that. And genuinely a very funny person. I mean, I think even even as she got older, she remained very funny and self-aware. And I her her banter with Ryan Reynolds on the Internet's very good. <laughs> <laughs> very uh, heartwarming. Um and I, I mean, I don't, I don't like actively watch it, but every time I've seen like the Golden Girls from the early '90s, that show holds up pretty well. It's still yeah. pretty funny. I agree. Um, yeah. What, what do you have to say? Well, I would just like to say that it's pretty remarkable that she is still a household name. Like, mm-hmm. just imagine being a household name for decades. I mean, even <laughs> like, you know, even someone like Oprah, like. You know, she, Oprah really hasn't been in the spotlight for that long, but for Betty White to be such a famous person for so long that, you know, she shouldn't have been so relevant for so long. But like you said, she's just so funny. She was so self-aware all the time. She's, you know, in Snickers commercials when she's like 90s, 90 years old and she's still <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> she's just like the world's grandma. So yeah, she was. We're going to miss having her presence. Uh, you know, the joke was she's going to live forever, but uh, 99, almost 100. She gave it a great run. I'm going to give Betty White a Brokaw. Yeah, Thomas, two thumbs up Brokaw from my end. All right. Um, but on to other news. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, apparently, in its brief time in theaters in 2021, has accounted for over 12% of the entire U.S. box office. <laughs> in 2021 that's pretty remarkable honestly (laughs) i mean it's uh i'm trying to think of it has crossed the billion dollar mark worldwide i think domestically i saw it was 600 700 million or something but that's just incredible it's been out for three weeks maybe two two and a half three weeks i can't remember um maybe only two weeks uh but still it's 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 so popular so well liked by everyone something that we can finally feel united behind yeah this is i think third weekend it's been out okay third weekend or maybe i don't know Uh, it came out december 18th so two weeks ago okay Jeez. and i've already seen it three times we're part of the problem jimmy well i've seen it twice yeah 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 um great i guess it's getting money which yeah. is good for theaters <laughs> hopefully everybody's not getting omicron yeah yeah to see it but that's the uh, thing i i'm seeing this more as a positive for movie theaters but yeah also i don't i don't want people to be getting sick out there uh which a lot of people i know have been getting sick so holden really? you better not get sick well Buckle. i i got the booster so hopefully i'm go. okay he's boosted I'm boosted. Boost, bo- he's like playing the Naughty Dog game. He got a boost. <laughs> um, gr- uh, what are we talking about? Uh, Spider-Man made a lot of money. Brokaw, great. For yeah, Brokaw. Uh, other Spider-Man related news. Uh, it was leaked this week that Sony is looking at making a live action Spider-Gwen film. Um, and that uh, Emma Stone might be returning to, ro- to the role of Gwen Stacy for that. What would you think of well, that, that, Jimmy? Hasn't that already been fan fan casted? Well, That's yeah, a- I mean it's been fan casted for a while, but like this this is like coming from a leak, which is slightly more than a rumor. 
<laughs> yeah, my faucet doesn't have rumors. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I'm not concerned when my faucet has a rumor, but I am concerned when it's a leak. Well, this sounds like it sounds like a no-brainer. Yeah. Really. I honestly. mean, it'd be great for Emma Stone, it'd be great for Marvel, it'd be great for everybody. So, I'll give that a broka. Make not, it happen. Yeah, not that everyone needs to be in a superhero role, but kind of surprised she I mean, I guess Amazing Spider-Man 2, she was Gwen Stacy, but hasn't I'm surprised that she hasn't been anything else, but I She's don't know. Like, Man, my neck is kind of sore. <laughs> <laughs> if that's uh, her first line in this movie, I'll be uh be pleased. Yeah, I'll uh I'll give that a broka. Yeah, I like think there are career. rumors that um, some of the I don't want to spoil things, but some of the other members of the, who appear in No Way Home might also appear in other movies going forward. Okay, which I think would be cool, but not necessary. Yeah, not necessary. It, it'd be interesting for me to see if that wears off the novelty of No Way Home. I mean, I think No Way Home is a good movie anyway, but also I I do enjoy those those appearances. Yes. We'll see. Um, anyway, have we talked about Taika Waititi's soccer movie before? No. Okay, so did you know he's making a soccer movie? No, I did not. It's called Next Goal Wins. And I'm going to read its premise. Uh, Next Goal Wins will follow the career of Thomas Rongen. Ranjin, something like that, played by Michael Fassbender, as he tries to turn around the American Samoa soccer team that lost a historic 31 to 0 in 2001 and have been followed by defeat ever since. Ranjin must whip the team into shape if they are to qualify for the 2014 FIFA World Cup and save face. Boy, I do not recall if they're in the 2014 World Cup. <laughs> um Michael Fassbender. <laughs> uh, Maybe he'll finally be in a good movie. Yeah, I think this will be. Is this supposed to be funny? Is this? I, supposed yeah, to be I think it's like a partial comedy. Dramedy. Um, and actually, I so I I was reading that because I wasn't sure if we had talked about it before, but the news related to that because I think this has been announced. That movie's been announced for a little while at least. Uh, but apparently, Will Arnett is going to be replacing whoever Army Hammer plays in the movie because Army Hammer has a lot of controversy around him. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. What is, does this movie sound interesting to you? That does sound interesting to me. I'll give it a, a broka. Yeah, broka for me as well. Yes, great. I'll I'll actually get excited for a sports movie if it's directed by a director I like. Yep. Um. All right. And my last piece of news is an update on the ongoing the rock versus vin diesel feud <laughs> which uh i don't i don't remember if we talked about it on the podcast but like a, a few weeks ago vin diesel said something about like oh the the rock come back come back brother to the the fast and furious franchise my kids think of you as an uncle or whatever it was like a weird post <laughs> like an uncle to my kids yeah yeah um, but The Rock uh, came out with a statement and replied to it. Uh, he said, I was very surprised by Vin's recent posts. This past June, when Vin and I actually connected not over social media, I told him directly and privately that I would not be returning to the franchise. I was firm yet cordial with my words and said that I would always be supportive of the cast and always root for the franchise to be successful, but that there was no chance I would return. I privately spoke to with my partners at Universal as well, all of whom were very supportive as, this understand, as they understand the problem. Vin's recent public post was 
was an example of his manipulation. I didn't like that he brought up his children in the post as well as Paul Walker's death. Leave them out of it. We had spoken months ago about this and came to a clear understanding. My goal all along was to end my amazing journey with this incredible franchise with gratitude and grace. It's unfortunate that this public dialogue has muddied the waters. Regardless, I'm confident in the fast universe and its ability to consistently deliver for the audience, and I truly wish my former co-stars and crew members the best of luck and success in the next chapter. What a diplomatic response from our future president, yeah. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> Very well spoken. Also, Vin Diesel. Yeah, you totally tried to manipulate him into doing this for the sake of your franchise. So I hadn't even thought of it. Like, I mean, I th- I had thought the post was weird when I first heard it, but yeah, I hadn't even thought of it as manipulation. Using it definitely kids, is. Paul, Paul Walker, Walker, and the fans to try to yeah. manipulate Dwayne Johnson, who's just going to earn your movie money. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you burned that bridge, man. That's your fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, the Rock in the Fast and Furious franchise was very entertaining, but uh, whatever. I it, it's not like the series needed him. <laughs> it'll keep it'll keep chugging along, and Vin Diesel will remain at the head. Oh man, you're making me look bad, Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I am Groot. Uh, yeah, I'll give that a Bergeron. I will give Vin Diesel a Bombadil. Well, Vin Diesel a Bombadil, The Rock's uh, diplomatic post a Brokaw, the overall thing a Bergeron. There you go. Plus, <laughs> minus, equals the neutral. Yep. yep. Um, one last thing, Holden. I, another post credit scene that we did not talk <laughs> about that I just came back to mind. Uh... Very minor spoilers again for a Hawkeye. Uh, the post-credit scene. Has oh yeah, nothing we didn't to do, that. Has nothing to do with the rest of the plot of the story. So feel free to listen to this. It really is not a spoiler. <laughs> but you get to see the whole Rogers the musical production of the Battle of New York segment, mm-hmm. which is great because someone wrote that whole thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, if that's only going to be in like a minute of the series, that would be a bummer. Yeah, that kind of stink. But, yeah, um, and people were like upset about it. Like people were mad that there wasn't a tease for a future season or future show or movie or something. But I don't know. I felt like that was very entertaining and good, and I liked it. I thought if like in this universe, this is the equivalent of having like nine eleven the musical. I'm like that, thousands of people died. Yeah, that's that's a good point. <laughs> I'm like this is very insensitive to the people in this fictional universe. Um, that's but, a good uh, point, actually. <laughs> I never was, thought of that. <laughs> I know. I'm like, you guys are making light of this situation where thousands of people died. <laughs> um, I just I just wanted to mention that because I I hadn't heard that point be made but also i can't say i was looking into a lot of hawkeye commentary no no um so apologies if that's something you've already heard but uh th- that's all the news we got tom's yep, wise. i think all so right. yeah let's talk about boba fett boba fett yeah so the book of boba fett episode one kind of snuck up on me um, but it is the new um, Star Holden, Wars... Um, Holden, it's chapter one. Chapter one, sorry. Uh, it's the, yeah, Boba Fett TV show on Disney Plus, spinoff of The Mandalorian, uh, where this show was set up at the very end of the last season of Mandalorian. Um, 
yeah, so this is basically going what it seems like it's going to be following uh, Tamara Morrison's Boba Fett and his kind of rise as a crime lord on Tatooine alongside I can't remember her name. What's what's Fennec? Fennec. Yeah, uh, alongside Fennec at his side. And this episode was mostly a lot of backstory. It, it wasn't even really a lot of setup for events to come. There was a little bit. But a lot of it was uh, flashbacks to kind of what happened between Return of the Jedi and The Mandalorian and with Boba Fett. And a little bit of, a little bit of showing just his, his day-to-day goings-ons as a crime up-and-coming crime lord right now. What did you think, Jimmy? Um, well, first off, we will be diving into spoilers here. Um, so if you haven't seen it, it's a, like a 30-ish minute episode. So Pretty short. Go check it out. Um, I thought this was very uninspired. I thought it was like the most formulaic, plug it into the Disney Plus algorithm and it's <laughs> shot out piece of material we've gotten. Yeah. Um, I, not that this show can't be good. I just thought this episode was just like, I this is just it just seemed very generic i I, like there's a little bit of imagination but even like some of the like there's a cool new creature towards the end i don't think we've seen that before i I actually i hated that i thought that creature was very it looked it didn't look like something that would exist in the star wars universe it just looked like someone designed like a weird like large like thing with abs and forearms and it had a silly looking mouth and it it just looked like a designer made it and not something that would exist in uh, in a world (laughs) okay well one of the positive things holden hates i guess (laughs) um i just thought like oh look there's a greedo guy Mm -hmm. oh look there's another you know (laughs) there's a stormtrooper in the sarlacc pit yeah why is there a stormtrooper in there were there any stormtroopers around during the I guess Sail barge maybe barge? maybe they were just flying by one day and one of them got pushed out like maybe <laughs> I don't know um I just I just thought it was pretty bad I mean like it wasn't I guess bad wrong. I just thought it was so generic and I just I thought it felt very low effort phoning it in yeah it feels like b-tier Mandalorian even I mean Obviously, it's Star Wars and everything, but like the whole setup in terms of like the chapter title cards and stuff, and you know the concept art at the end, it all just feels like it's like a B team working on a new season of Mandalorian or something, which it isn't. I mean, it is no. John Favreau, so, yeah, and Dave Filoni. Um, I thought uh, I thought the music was good. I thought that was yeah, that yeah. Was a cool theme. Music's always been pretty good. And- I think it's also, I think it is Ludwig Jorensen again. Yeah, um, yeah. Of Black Panther and Mandalorian uh, score fame. I thought, uh, well, first off, I won the bet, so you owe me five UN. Because <laughs> we got both the back to tank and the Sarlacc pit within, like, the first two minutes. Oh, yeah. No, I, I was like, oh, I'm, <laughs> I am doomed. It, like, started out, and there's the back to tank, like, in one of the very first shots. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> And then it, it started out with a brief, it was kind of like cutting back to footage from Attack of the Clones. And I'm like, oh, great, we're going to be getting some flashbacks, and then it's going to go to the Sarlacc. And, yeah, it was within the first two or three minutes he's in the, he's in the Sarlacc, get, getting out, burning yeah. it from the inside. Um, 
I, boy, I thought the flashbacks were not interesting. Um, let's see. Boba Fett gets the crap beat out of him. Yep. Rel- just constantly throughout <laughs> this episode. He is in very rough shape. Um, I also think Boba Fett's pretty dumb. <laughs> he just does not make good decisions. Uh, well, yeah, a lot of his decisions feel like it's Disney being like, well, we want a character that you can like sympathize with so we're not gonna have him just kill a bunch of people but if he's being a crime lord he's not making he should be killing some of these people (laughs) like there's the dude working for the mayor that is super shady and you know he should have done something about i mean maybe not even kill him but you know send some sort of message and then you know the gamorian guards as well i mean maybe they'll end up being completely loyal but still didn't seem like the best decision I don't know. <laughs> if I'm, I'm like, or if you're the Gamorrean guards, you could just kill him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they had many opportunities to just kill him or let him die. Um, I, boy, I just thought uh, that was cheesy with the Gamorrean guards. Just like, were you loyal to them? Will you be loyal to me? And they're like, <laughs> or whatever they Which sound like. Which is Gamorrean for Yes. Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> Convenient writing. Um, you know, I concept art at the end is always cool in the credits, so it's always a nice touch. I thought Mos, Mos Espa was cool. Mos yeah. Espa. The city, I thought it looked great. I thought the sets were great. I loved the, the parkour stuff was good. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, yeah, Boba Fett. They're just making him the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. I like, don't. He's just and, a good guy. And it's rough because... Like, I know, I, I'm guessing Tamara Morrison is, is going to be vying for having his helmet off for a lot of the show. That way he's, like, you know, actually his face and everything. But uh, he is, like, a 60-year-old man. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I feel, I mean, nothing against him. He still does move very well. But I just don't think the action is going to have quite the flow that it does sometimes no. in The Mandalorian or anything. It does look like a 60-year-old man fighting. It, yeah. <laughs> How old is Tamara Morrison? I think he's like 63 or something, maybe. Let me look it up. Tamara Tamara Morrison. Is he from New Zealand? Yeah. Yeah, 61. Okay, 61. His birthday was the day after Christmas, Boxing Day. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Yeah. um, I could put put my dad's head in a box. (laughs) Yeah. um, You know what we should have gotten? What? Uh... Here we go. Here's the direction I want the series to go. Mace Windu, still alive. <laughs> Tamara Morrison finds out. They're both like crime lords. Why that would, would be Mace awesome. Windu be a crime lord? Because he's always been on that mix of good and evil. Has or maybe he? he's maybe he's the Ronin of the Star Wars universe. I guess I don't know enough about Mace Windu lore. Yeah. Um... He's able to channel both the light and dark side, Holden, to a perfect equilibrium. That's why his lightsaber is purple. I thought he just picked a cool color. Well, that's it, it well, that's cool. well, that's what happened, and then they explained it. And yeah, that that's way. right. Because Samuel L. Jackson said he wanted a purple lightsaber, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's like that was like his his reasoning for signing on. Well, and uh, well, and then George Lucas is like, well, yeah, and then uh, he channels the light side and the dark side. And that's why his <laughs> laser sword's purple. <laughs> um, other things to say about this. Let's see. Um, yeah, he just walks around just without his helmet on. 
just yeah. in the middle of this like do you want to die and then apparently like everybody's just like oh i guess he's the new crime lord what are you telling me there's not like some more significant power vacuum going on yeah that seems weird and I, I mean, that just feeds into our prior complaint of, like, he just seems w- like he's making himself look weak <laughs> in a lot of ways. I he's just, so, yeah, he's I didn't so take forgiving. him seriously. Yeah, and he is, I mean, he's like a bounty hunter, so I mean, he's not, I guess he's not, like, outright evil, maybe, but he is, like, he's ruthless. He's been ruthless before. He's had to be. I don't get why he's, that's not carrying over. Now, obviously, they're telling the story non-linearly. Mm-hmm. Or at least aspects of it. But I feel like we skipped to the end of the first season. Like, I feel like he should not have been the crime lord already. Yeah. Like, they ju- they skipped a step. Um, yeah, he just he showed up and he killed Bib Fortuna and... and he know, sat he's... in the chair. Yep. <laughs> so if anyone just walks in and kills kills the person at Jabba's palace, then they, they can just be the crime lord. Which... Would be pretty easy to do because four random people with shields almost did it. So yeah, or six <laughs> or however many there were. I was also like, where were the Gamorian guards before that? Like, oh, we're just gonna hang behind you while you start yeah. walking back, and then we're just not gonna be there for about two minutes, and then we'll show up to save the day. It very felt, silly. It, it felt like very bad writing yeah. um no offense to john favreau you've done great stuff you're great is he as happy Hogan. or is he just like a producer he wrote and directed that first episode I believe. no robert rodriguez directed it. oh that's right but i think uh john favreau wrote it okay um because i was like oof i would have expected a little bit more out of you uh <laughs> to be fair this is the first episode how many episodes are there going to be i don't know nine Nine. So there's plenty of time for them for this series to change directions, and maybe in retrospect, this episode's better, and they go a different direction. But mm. I think if I were just to see this one episode as like a pilot, and they're like, "Oh, should we make this show?" I'd be like, "No, it just <laughs> you it should li- not." <laughs> it doesn't like it doesn't really set up much aside from that like mayor guy and i guess i mean yeah the flashbacks we'll probably see more of that but i don't know And again it was just like he's a version of a star wars character we've already seen Mm -hmm. like (laughs) and then you got the other star wars guy like you have the guy that looks like bosk yeah you got the other one that they can't understand that looks like another creature from star wars (laughs) it's like okay um, they were. Uh, you got the Tuscan Raiders. You had the Jawas. Mm-hmm. Why did the Tuscan Raiders keep him alive to be like a little slave? But he could like hardly even move. So I I didn't understand that. I didn't either. The Greedo guy was a big jerk. Yeah. Um. It the- was weird. And also, I I never thought of him like coming out of like the side of the Sarlacc pit. Like, I always envisioned him coming out of the mouth, but I guess that makes sense. I thought it was interesting the way they showed, like, the way they showed that, it, they didn't, like, show the special edition beak, like, for yeah, the Sarlacc. They didn't? Or they did not. Yeah. Well, I was like, did he kill it when he burned his way through it? I was confused. I, I would have liked to have seen some sort of, like, fight between him and the Sarlacc pit. It yeah. just seemed like he burned his way out. Yeah, it was kind of weird. He crawls out and then he just lays there for a while. 
<laughs> the Jawas are like, oh yeah, let's take all this stuff. <laughs> Mandalorian armor, heck yeah. He's gonna be uh wait, how does he get his armor back? Does he get it back from uh the Mandalorian? No, he gets it back from that one guy on Tatooine. Yes. Tatooine. Yeah. Cause he's he's got it in the Mandalorian. Yeah, right? he does. So he's not even gonna Oh wait, he does have that armor. I don't know. I don't I can't keep track of all this stuff. Yeah. I could go back and rewatch the Mandalorian, but I don't want to right now, so <laughs> Um, anything else to say about episode one of this show? Um, the cantina band, uh, was playing a song that had little snippets of yeah, the classic like a, song in it. It was like, uh, they enhanced it over the years. Yeah. Adding on to it. Fine tuned it. Um, that was Jazz, a cool cantina. Man. Yeah, was it really was. really cool. A lot of, a, a really good practical set or at least semi-practical. Um, I'm guessing like we're going to be my, getting more of that place. Yeah, Mas Espa was really cool. Um, all uh, we'll see. Um, I don't know. Like all of these complex, nuanced Disney Plus characters have been pretty bad. So, <laughs> or just very predictable in their twists and stuff. So, give us some actual compelling characters. Yeah. All right. I want to see HBO level stuff. Come on, without all the sex and language yeah well keep the violence there were so many times where i was like he should just waste some people yeah just explode a guy i think that i mean that's that like i said one of the biggest problems is just that disney doesn't want him to be an outright villain or anything also just problems with other movies and stuff they make like cruella and whatnot like they can't they can't just have these people be bad guys it's kind of annoying well, that's why uh, Billie Eilish doesn't work with them. Yeah, exactly. Um, Except for that, like, thing she put on Disney Plus. <laughs> she put like a concert on there or something. Do 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 do. That's as bad as they can. That's as bad guys they can get as Billie Eilish. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna say, well, you know, well made. Moss Espa looked cool. I do like. Tamara Morrison. I, I thought Fennec was pretty cool in this episode. Yeah. Um. Boy, I'll. St- I'm gonna go five. I think it was pretty bad. Honestly, yeah, I five, thought it was pretty I think five. Five for me. This is probably. I don't know if it's. I mean, it's probably that this episode was probably around Falcon and the Winter Soldier levels for me. Like, it just, just there not was very good. It just felt like a fan movie. Yeah. Like outside of the Moss Espa part, it, it could have been a fan movie. Yeah. With Tamara Morrison. Yeah. So I liked that, Haw- yeah. so far I liked even Hawkeye more than this. But we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll get better. And I looked it up, it's actually seven episodes. So. Seven episodes. Alright. So yeah. we're seven weeks of this, so hopefully it gets better. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, let's talk about... What should we talk about next, Holden? Let's do um, Don't Look Up. All right. Don't look up. Don't switch to a different podcast. Don't take out that earbud. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's talk about that movie. So, Don't Look Up. 
uh, is the new uh, political satire film from writer-director Adam McKay, who previously uh, made, like, Vice, The Big Short, and made a bunch of, like, Adam... Uh, no, Will Ferrell, not Adam Sandler. Will Ferrell comedies in, like, the 2000s. Like, he made Anchorman, the Anchorman movies. He made... I don't remember if he's the one who made Step Brothers. He was like a big, huge collaborator with Will Ferrell for a long time. Uh, but this is his new movie. He's veering more into political angles with his with his uh, recent career. Um, I don't know how heavily involved he is, but he and Will Ferrell are both uh, producers on Succession as well. Oh, okay, okay. On HBO. Um, but. Yeah, so this is a star-studded cast, very star-studded, and it follows uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence, and they discover a comet headed towards Earth, and it'll get here in around six months. And so they're trying their best to get people to do something about it, and the world around them just seems to not care. Yes, they have to deal with all this political nonsense. Mm-hmm, yeah. Has, um, based has Scarlett on, Johansson it says, I was just gonna, oh wait sorry I was just I was gonna, gonna say has Scarlett Johansson really been in anything since you mean Jennifer guess, Lawrence yeah sorry Jennifer Lawrence <laughs> I was gonna say um, I saw Scar Joe in uh, Black Widow this summer Jennifer Lawrence I guess she was in Dark Phoenix but that was delayed a million times yeah so I guess that's the is that the last movie she was in before I this? feel like there has to have been something else. Well, I thought she was just... Well, it's an Unbreaking America. I don't know what that is. I don't is know. She, yeah, yeah, she hasn't been like as central in like the spotlight in Hollywood like she was 10 years ago. <laughs> but, yeah, still doing work. Good for her. Yeah. Um... I found this movie pretty insufferable, honestly. Like, I think it's... I didn't hate watching it, but I just... I could not stand the majority of the humor in this. And I felt like it was just way too preachy. Which is kind of what we maybe thought after watching the trailers. I felt like I was just solidified while watching it. I don't know. I, I it, This movie just was did not work. It, it's like worse than Vice for me. I am the opposite. I didn't, I mean, I was expecting to hate this movie. So I think a lot of my stuff had expectations tied to it. But I just enjoyed watching Leonardo DiCaprio really was the, the saving grace of this yeah, movie. Yeah, he him. was. He was for sure. I really enjoyed watching his character. I thought his humor was the best part of it. I didn't really like uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character. I, I got where they were coming from with her. But, um, yeah, like you said, I mean, a lot of this is low-hanging fruit, obvious, like, commentary on a lot of things. But I still enjoyed, like, certain aspects of it. I thought the, um, what's his name, as the the social media guy was actually pretty, like, pretty good. Since social it was so, media guy. The, the uh, bash guy. What, I forget the name of the actor. He's in, like, Dunkirk, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Uh, Mark Rylance? Yeah, Mark Rylance. Yeah, he's also... He's in a... <laughs> I always think of Ready Player One. He's in that, too. <laughs> um, Yeah, he's pretty I thought, good. I thought he was great. And it was, like, so out of, like... <laughs> out of his typical character that he plays, out of his typecast. 
So I thought that was like just entertaining to see him. I, uh, in terms of like Meryl Streep as the president and Jonah Hill as her son, I thought they were pretty insufferable. Yeah. And just clear commentary on like the Trump family. And I'm like, okay, you made fun of Donald Trump. Wow. You are so original. <laughs> Congratulations, Adam McKay. You are a genius. I felt, yeah. I mean, I felt like the performances were the strongest part for me. And that's probably the, the part where I have very little qualms. Uh, Meryl Streep and Jonah Hill, I think they do a good job with what they're given. And it's mostly the writing that is annoying with them. But in general, yeah, Mark Rylance, you know, uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, um, Timothy Chalamet, even <laughs> though he could have been played by anyone, honestly, in this movie, they're all good. They're all good. I was going to say, this is one of my gripes with both movies we were going to talk about today, but I'm just getting tired of directors using really good actors just for the sake of using really good actors in yeah. very minor roles. We saw it with Wes Anderson in The French Dispatch. We saw it in this movie, and we're all, we also saw it in um, Licorice Pizza to a, a lesser extent. But I'm just like... We get it. You're a well-known act, or you're a well-known director. You can get these people in Hollywood to do these random little parts, but it's just distracting more than anything. Yeah, and it's just weird. I mean, it's just weird when they show up for so little time. I mean, I, I'm glad that, at least in terms, I mean, in terms of Licorice Pizza, I won't get into it. Like that movie, at least had some like minor actors in the forefront, I guess, but. I don't know. In but yeah, in both cases, it is kind of it's annoying and distracting. Um. Yeah, I didn't hate this movie. I thought I was gonna hate it. I I thought there were. I, and again, I think it's Leonardo DiCaprio single-handedly. Yeah, he is the this. best part. I enjoyed his character. Um. He's I one enjoyed- of he, he is one of the only people in this movie that. I could look past him being hit the actor. Like most of the times I would just look and I'm like, Oh, that's Meryl Streep as the president. But there were times where I just wouldn't think of Leonardo DiCaprio's character as Leonardo DiCaprio. Most other actors. I can't say that for. I enjoyed his part more than anybody else's, I would say. And I was glad that he was one of the main characters of the film. Um, so I, yeah, I just liked that. I thought his humor was the best Mm -hmm. everything tied to him. His humor um, had, I mean, his humor a lot of the times was the least politically tied. And so then it was not just low hanging fruit. It was just like he was a genuinely awkward and funny guy. And some of the jokes with him being awkward on, on like camera were pretty good. And yeah. And just him being like an older person or like just someone middle aged who's just out of touch with all like yeah. all these ways <laughs> of communicating your ideas. Yeah. And he's also this like, astronomer uh so he's got to like figure out all these like you know what is you know what is tiktok what is social media <laughs> like how do i do this like oh who's this famous person um i thought ariana grande was pretty annoying <laughs> she wasn't in it too her, much her I character i just was like okay i get it you're <laughs> making fun of like tiktok okay great Congratulations, Adam McKay, the first person to make fun of TikTok and social media. You are a genius. Well, yeah, I I mean, I think ultimately the main, the detractor is Adam McKay himself with the writing. Like, I I just, I think even, even the characters I didn't really enjoy, I don't think the performances were that bad. It's just that their dialogue and everything was so annoying and obvious. 
<laughs> yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I just, I, I, I said I, I would, I enjoyed this movie. I actually enjoyed watching it. I was not expecting to at all, and I think that's why I enjoyed it. But I would be lying to you if I said I, I didn't enjoy this movie. I actually enjoyed this movie more than Licorice Pizza, um, which is surprising. I would not have expected that. Um, but I think uh, this movie, the performances are really good. The writing is flawed. It has a couple moments that I liked. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not telling us anything that we don't already know, I would say. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's um, just kind of a cynical look at the world today. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of a I mean, I don't know. I don't I wouldn't even say it's like depressing because I don't know. It just it is pretty cartoonish too. Like I don't know. I mean, sure I'm I'm sure a lot of this stuff would maybe happen in the same scenario in real life but I also feel like it's just like everyone is so outwardly like <laughs> hostile with their actions in this movie I don't know I think maybe I mean, I'm somehow this movie is less cynical or is more cynical than I am because I consider myself a pretty cynical yeah. person and it, this this is a bit too much for even me well I would say vice is even more cynical but personally but um i uh i think he struck that perfect balance with like cynicism and technically good storytelling and filmmaking with the big short um which Which i haven't seen still you still haven't seen i think that's legitimately a, a good movie and it's creative in the way that it's told and has great performances and interesting characters and and it has still it's still like a cynical look on how the american economy works but a true story and Mm -hmm. its commentary is told through the (laughs) the true nature of events like he didn't have to be nuanced about it it's like (laughs) it wasn't even like a take on events it's like this is what happened and these guys knew it was going to happen because they knew uh these like schemes that all these people were making in these different uh financial offices and whatever you want to call them in wall street so yeah, I mean, uh, rating time, Holden, or anything else to say? Yeah, rating. Let's do rating time. I'm going to go seven. I thought it was a decent time. I Like you said, the performances are good. It's not It's not a great movie, but I, I wasn't offended by it in terms of the quality. I thought there was a little bit more nuance to certain aspects of it that I wasn't expecting. I thought there were some a, a couple, couple creative twists in the plot that weren't completely just the most obvious thing to happen um but no uh, yeah i i guess i one of the other things i did like about it was that it didn't play out exactly how i thought like there it kind of got to the point where i i thought the movie it was going to take like the whole movie to get to a certain point that they got to by like 40 minutes in and so i was like okay so they're they're, they've got more going on in this plot so yeah certainly wasn't expecting everything but i think for me I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go a five with this one. Just All right. Didn't really enjoy it. Good performances. A little unpredictable, but I. I. The commentary was just too obvious, too cringy, and the honestly, I thought the script was pretty bad in general. But yeah, not enough Boba Fett. 
not enough Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Holden, let's talk about spoilers for Don't Look Up. I wish I could bring up more specifics of, like, jokes I hated, but I did see this, like, over a week ago at this point, um, so I, to- I didn't I didn't write them down, but I'll, I'll get into spoilers as much as I can, Jimmy. What do you want to talk about first? I wanted to talk about Mark Rylance as the social media guy. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of Mark Zuckerberg, kind of Jeff Bezos, kind of Elon Musk. Just throw yeah, them all ca- together. Kind of an amalgamation of those figures. Um, I thought it was funny when he was talking about like all the algorithms and all the stuff that he knew about <laughs> Dr. Mindy. He's like, you're going to die alone <laughs> and all that stuff. And like, I know all these things about you based on these algorithms and just like all that stuff. And yeah. Dr. Mindy is completely oblivious because he doesn't really understand how social media works, but that it just hits his character right in the home. Um, and that he's telling the president that she's going to die by the, the broader rock. Brontorock and then the post credit scene. Yeah. Uh, another post credit scene that happens. Yeah, that was a that was actually that was a, one of the jokes that did work. I liked the payoff of that. And I liked how they were like, "Oh, f- only 47 of our cryogenic pods failed and people died or whatever." 47% or something. It yeah. was like <laughs> They're like, "Oh, yeah, that was way higher than expected." <laughs> Everything's fine. All is good. I don't think that would have been as good if it wasn't Mark Rylance. And I was yeah, like, it's the guy from Dunkirk. <laughs> <laughs> no, his, it, it was just funny, like trying to re- everyone to remain calm, and then he just like runs out of the control room. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, let's see. I I did like the Doctor Oglethorpe guy. I thought he was kind of like um understood what was going on but he was like hey look we gotta kind of play the the political game yeah and he was probably he was like the most it just seemed like the one of the more reasonable characters yeah yeah which was nice and um i like how like meryl streep was a little bit more like you know like it wasn't as partisan as i thought it was gonna be it wasn't like we are clearly representative representative of this party and that's you know Mm -hmm. there was a little bit more of like yeah it's convenient for me now so as a politician i'm going to help you which yeah it was very true of both major political parties of the united states yeah because she's like there's like a sex scandal that comes out and that's when she decides to distract everyone by announcing the the comment coming just to save her own butt yeah um the one general who i th- i thought that was hyper cynical and he's like the general sold me the chips that were free or whatever the crackers yeah i, I was like you really didn't need I, that i didn't i didn't really get the point of that didn't really add anything and then it had like no good payoff it was just occasionally jennifer lawrence would mention it again i was like oh yep that was the thing that happens it was just adam mckay being like everybody who's in politics is just bad I'm like, yeah okay uh great adam mckay making fun of politicians you are a genius truly you were the first truly person ahead to do of it. his time <laughs> um i thought the daily rip got a little annoying with kate blanchett and tyler perry yeah yeah that's just i don't know i mean it like started and i'm like okay i can this makes sense i get where the satire is coming from but 
I think it got a little maybe unrealistic. It was just like, like these hosts were too. I feel like they were too obvious in how like much they didn't care. I don't know. Once again, I think that's a writing thing, not necessarily anything against either of them. Kate Blanchett on it was pretty good in this movie. Didn't mention her, but in general, she was good. Yeah. Um, Chris Evans <laughs> makes a cameo. Did not yeah. recognize him for at first. I was like, "Who is this guy? Who is he?" I'm like, "Oh, it's Chris Evans." It's like I recognize uh, the voice. Better or worse cameo than in Free Guy? Oh, better, <laughs> much better. Yeah. <laughs> um, spoilers for Free Guy, that movie that we both thought was horrible, and apparently um, we're alone in that. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, they all die at the end, except the yeah. pe- the rich people who get in the the rocket. Again, rich people saving themselves, being greedy. Great commentary, Adam McKay. <laughs> First person to think of it. You are a genius. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I honestly, I was kind of surprised that they had the world end. I didn't, I didn't think it was gonna end that way. But I was kind of thinking. Um, he would maybe go with the way that the the um, bash thing works somewhat mm-hmm. and then the wealthy people and powerful people just get more wealthier and powerful and then the things just get worse Yeah, I thought he might go in that direction but like we will have the technology to save us and they will do it and, but I don't know I don't even know what the more cynical ending is I don't either I did think like the final dinner scene, as preachy as it was, was nice. Yeah, it was nice. It's like the ending to Hawkeye. <laughs> it was nicer than the ending of Hawkeye. <laughs> um, yeah. Once once again, Timothy Timothy Chalamet probably is the most wasted actor in this. He was like, pretty good in his part, though. Yeah, for what little he but, was in it. Yeah, you don't need him. Yeah. Didn't really uh, add a ton. No. Um, I think that's all I have to say about this movie. Holden? Um, yeah, probably me too. Um, it's, a, it's over two hours long, but it doesn't feel that long to me. No. It, no, I will say it did go by fairly quickly. Ariana Grande's song in it is pretty bad. Yeah, I was like, we didn't. I didn't need that. No. I didn't need the concert at Wembley in London. Oh, was that where it was at? Hashtag just look up. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I actually, uh, I did not see the second post credit scene. I didn't know there was more than one. Yeah, I, I was like, you never know these days. So I was just flipped to the end of the credits. And yeah, Jonah Hill is just like, hey, what's up, everybody? I'm the last man on earth. I'm like, God, I hate his character in this movie. <laughs> I could not stand Jonah Hill's character in this movie. I thought he was the cringiest part. Like, not Jonah Hill's fault. I just thought the character was written yeah. so badly. Yeah, it was cringy. And he's just constantly, he's like, <laughs> just constantly ripping on Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's it for me, though. All right. Let's talk about Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza. <laughs> Yeah, 
Yeah, so uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's latest film, Licorice Pizza, uh, since his last film, Phantom Thread, which I think was like four years ago. So, been a few years. Not that he needs to rush or anything. He is, people seem to like his movies, so good for him. But anyway, Licorice Pizza is a kind of dramedy coming of age film set in 1973. Did get that confirmed while I was writing notes for the podcast. Um, my dad called it. He's like, "This, yeah. I think this movie was came out in 1973." Yeah, or I was like in, that, or this song. We saw this with Jimmy's dad and sister, and he did. He mentioned that after. I was like, "Oh, good, good idea." I didn't even think about the. It does show that "Live and Let Die" uh, was in theaters during the this movie. So cool. Um, but yeah, it follows uh, these two characters. A uh, 15-year-old child actor and 25. I It said 25 in the movie, but I could have sworn I saw she was 22. It doesn't matter. Regardless, um, and a young woman starts out as working for a photography company. And it's kind of their misadventures. And it's a lot of different things. There's not a huge through line of plot. It's kind of like a bunch of smaller vignettes as you say, kind of connected by a loose, by these characters and whatnot. And yeah, it's probably, so what age did you say was Alana? I thought in the movie it said 25, but I thought I had seen she's 22. Uh, no, on the, well, at least on the Wikipedia page, it says 25. Okay. I must've just misread it then. And that was before I saw the movie that I had read that. So just something I saw wrong, I guess. Anyway, um, so both actors, by the way, Alana Haim is the singer of the band Haim, um, which is apparently a very famous band that I know nothing about, but her, apparently she has like a very famous family as well. And her family is all in this movie as her family, which is kind of cool. They're all pretty good. Um, and then, uh, the biggest surprise was that the lead actor is Philip Seymour Hoffman's kid. Which, while I was watching the movie, the entire time I was like, this guy, (laughs) he kind of looks like a young Philip Seymour Hoffman and moves like a young Philip Seymour Hoffman. And then at the end, his name's Cooper Hoffman. And indeed, he is his son. So, kind of cool. Yeah. Um, And I think this was his first movie role, too. So, Um, yeah, I liked this movie. Um, I I do have the same big gripe with it that I know you do as well. But uh, overall, this movie, I I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was very fun. I do not think it... I think it's probably my least favorite out of the PTA movies I've seen. But I've only seen, I think, Punch Drunk Love, There Will Be Blood, and Phantom Thread, I think, are the only other three I've seen. So... This doesn't come up to the, that level of any of those three. But I still think it's a solid movie. Um, it's probably still one of my favorite of the year. But I wouldn't say it's even like... To- it's probably not even top five. It's But still solid. What do you think, Jimmy? I think this movie's overrated. I think that it's technically well done. I think it has some very big issues that are, it's going to make it not age well. Mm-hmm. Um and I have I have big problems with it, uh, but um, the performances are excellent. Like yeah. you said, um, uh, what's his Hoffman? What's his what's Cooper his first name? Hoffman? Cooper Hoffman, Elena Heim, uh, were both great. They did a very good job. 
their chemistry was good. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie has moments that are humorous. Uh, there's a lot of like awkward humor mm-hmm. or um, character-driven humor, which I thought was good. Um, it had a few laughs, but like you said, the lack of plot makes it kind of a drag at times for me. It's a long movie too. It is um, long, yeah. I just think it it's, seems not very focused at times. It has good vignettes within it, but there's just... Uh, the big thing is... The big problem for me is the, just the age gap between the two main characters. I mean, you have, you're supposed to have this like budding romance between this 25-year-old woman, young woman, and this 15-year-old freshman in high school. And I just think that's very problematic. Like, that's just not, like, yeah. a 15-year-old is not a, uh, it's not a consensual adult, okay? Um, when it comes to, like, having a, a relationship, a serious relationship with someone 10 years older. And I think if you swap the genders of these two characters, this movie would not be made. So if that's the case, I don't think that this, I, I don't think there should be a double standard here. I just think that, that is not right. It made me very uncomfortable. I don't like how that played out by the end of the movie. I thought the whole time, this shouldn't happen. This is weird. I was like, maybe they're just lying about their ages and they're much closer in age. No, they just are a 15-year-old and a 25-year-old. Yeah. I also just did not like Gary, who's the main guy, Gary Valentine, the 15-year-old. I thought he was kind of creepy and <laughs> uh, kind of a sleaze bag, and um, it was weird that this twenty-five-year-old young woman just spends all her time with this fifteen-year-old sleaze bag and all his creepy friends. I will say, at least they didn't make the twenty-five-year-old the sleaze bag. That would have yeah. been even worse. Um, the things I will say, I'm not, I'm not saying the age gap is, is good. Cause I also, that's a problem for me, but a couple things about it that I think work. Um, I think the exploration of the kind of, there's a big focus on like, like growing up and like, she thinks that he's too childish and she think he thinks that she's too adult and they kind of learn about that from each other, like kind of grow. I think that's good. I think it could have been done with just an immature 20-year-old and a mature 20-year-old or something like that. It didn't need to be like a 10-year age gap. But still, it's still some... It's explored in a way that's... I mean, it's something we've seen before, but it's it's done well here. And the other thing I'll say is at least it didn't seem like like Paul Thomas Anderson's like fetish or anything. It wasn't like weirdly sexualized or anything. Like it's... I think it was just kind of a... Miscon maybe something he didn't entirely think all the way through as to what people would think, but yeah, I mean, like th- there is still relative innocence to it, mm-hmm. and they don't have like sex or anything. Like you don't see yeah. them having like so. Thank goodness, uh, that would be over the line definitely for me. Um, which I'm glad because I was like, oh my gosh, is this movie gonna go this way? And it doesn't. It kind of <laughs> it puts its toe in the water a couple times but it doesn't uh, jump in yeah um i yeah i just uh, let me see let me look at my notes here other things i want to talk about like again the performances are great you got these cameos from major actors yeah i yeah. just 
in these vignettes. I just don't. I don't know. I these are characters. This movie's two character studies. You study fifteen-year-old Gary Valentine, and you study a twenty-five-year-old Alana Kane, and both of them have mature qualities, and both of them have immature qualities, and they're grappling. You know, who am I? There's like an mm-hmm. identity thing, and who are we together in this relationship? Are we a relationship? And that's the entire movie, essentially is them grappling with those different dynamics. And I just, like I said, it just like, even though they had good chemistry, I'm just like, these two people should not be together. (laughs) They should not be together. It's not good for them to be together. Like this is like not, not going to end well. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, what you're describing is similar to how I felt about Matrix Resurrections, where that movie is so focused on this, like, relationship. And if the relationship doesn't work for you, then it makes it hard for the rest of the movie to work for you. Um, yeah. There, uh, let's see, Licorice Pizza, if you're not familiar, uh, I looked this up, it's uh, the name of, like, a row of record shops in L.A., Mm. I guess um, the name doesn't appear in the film, um, but I was just like, "Why is it called that?" I honestly, I took it as like two things that shouldn't that sh- be together, sh- but they work. But then yeah. I looked it up: is licorice good on pizza? And they said, "You don't really taste the licorice because it's just overwhelmed <laughs> by the cheese, so it's fine." Or it doesn't. I mean, maybe not even it, they shouldn't be together. They and they're good together, but they shouldn't be together. But they are together. There you go. So. Um, that would be a good one. Um, but I read that to my sister. I was like, because we were talking about that too, like as an analysis of like, is that what the title's supposed to mean? And it was like, it gets overwhelmed by the cheese and the ultimate result is it's fine. And like my sister's like, yeah, that, that was that movie. It was a mixture of two things that shouldn't be together and ultimately it was fine. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's kind of my feelings about it too. Um Look, it was well directed. Uh, it was yep. well shot. Um, I think the the seventies aesthetic is pretty good. It's not it, as the, yes, it's not as like not quite as prevalent as something like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where that whole movie is just the six, late sixties and everything. But this has a similar, like, pretty good seventies um, soundtrack with a bunch of similar to that movie, a bunch of songs that you may not immediately think of when you think of the seventies or have even heard of. Um, but, and then I think the, the, what little original music, it was also done by Johnny Greenwood, who we just complimented for power of the dog. So, yeah, I think the lack of plot hurt the viewing experience for me. I thought it was awkwardly paced. It seemed to drag on forever. It wasn't like grueling, but it was like, this movie's gotten to the point where it's too long. Uh, and I was like, I could have, you could have easily cut out that 20 minutes and I would not have noticed or cared. Yeah. I think I overall just enjoyed most of the, the vignettes more. Um, I liked this kind of whole thing. I liked the, their, uh, like various businesses and people they would meet. And there were only maybe one or two that I didn't really, one or two parts that I didn't really enjoy. But overall, I liked most of it. I'm being honest. I thought it was fine. Anything else you want to say before ratings? Uh, no. Let's go. I'll say six. I thought it was fine. I'm going to go eight and a half. 
I think it's pretty good. And honestly, I think the relationship gap is my main concern. And I don't think I really have any other gripes aside from that. Yeah, uh, people, some critics think this is one of the best movies of the year, and I just disagree. So, yeah. um, I disagree with you, you old farts. How do you <laughs> like them apples? <laughs> yeah. um, sorry to all the world-renowned critics who listen to this podcast. Including me. <laughs> Not you, Holden. Oh, I okay. don't apologize to you. Okay. Uh, anyway, let's let's talk about spoilers for Licorice Pizza. Why did Holden like it? Why did I? <laughs> well, I already talked about why. We I already really talked like about it. why we liked it and didn't like it. What specifically, Holden, other than me? Because I already kind of laid out my biggest gripe. Okay. You get it. You get it, Holden. I'm just trying to transition, okay? All right. All I'm right. trying to segue into the next segment. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, there's there's quite a lot of parts to this movie that I enjoy. I think the highlight is the whole like thing with Bradley Cooper. I honestly, for at least for me, I thought that was the highlight. Was I thought that was a considerable waste of time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I thought it was really entertaining. I think it. I mean, I feel like I feel like a lot of the wasted time in this is not unlike some of the wasted time i keep comparing it to once upon a time in hollywood but i feel like there's some comparisons like that movie has a lot of wasted time in it but overall by the end i felt i I just enjoyed the different parts of that movie and i guess i feel the same here um i still i still like that movie more don't get me wrong but um I don't know. I thought the whole Bradley Cooper thing was really entertaining. It was kind of, I mean, I wasn't like scared for them necessarily because it is like a dramedy, but I was tense a little bit because I'm like, I don't know when this guy could pop up. He's clearly unhinged and I don't know what he would do to them. See, I didn't think there was enough payoff though. Like I enjoyed kind of the ride, but then I was like, there was no payoff to it. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. That was that I, was my problem. Like we didn't get to see him go completely unhinged crazy. Yeah. I don't know Yeah, I guess I don't know if there was any sort of payoff what it would have been because I feel like if he did go I don't know what he would have done for it to fit with the tone of the rest of the movie. I don't know. Um I think that's my problem with this movie. It just toys with absurdity but not in an like there's no entertaining payoff to it whereas once upon a time when the hollywood toys with absurdity and then becomes absurd like you get the huge payoff at the end i mean you cannot argue that once upon a time in hollywood has incredible payoff at the end of the yeah no it definitely does this movie does not in my opinion have in any semblance of plot payoff anyway um i also think this this the whole sequence with sean penn was I get it. You're, it's a character study. You're showing that these two characters need each other. But my goodness, what a wasted time. <laughs> I don't need Sean Penn drunkenly talking to other characters. I, see, once again, I just did not mind that. I thought it was fairly entertaining. And I, yeah, it doesn't have great payoff. But I just enjoyed the time with these characters. And Sean Penn was pretty good. So, yeah. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> disagree 
Um, whatever. Um, what do you, what else do you want to talk about, Holden? You like? Um, this I'm trying movie. to think what other parts of this movie I like. Um, did you? Okay, I didn't. I I had seen this um, before I went to see the movie, but John C. Riley has a cameo. <laughs> Who is he? <laughs> He, it's you. I don't even know if he appears on screen, but when they're um, uh, the, when they went to the, I don't know what convention that was where they had the water bed or whatever. It was like the teen something. Teen yeah, but convention. The guy who played there's like Eddie Munster, that monster there. Oh, the monster. Yeah, yeah, that's John C. Riley. Oh, which I had heard, and I was like, okay, so he's gonna appear for one line, and he does. I mean, he does, and if you know it's him you can hear it in his voice it just sounds like john c Riley talking but he doesn't really that's his only appearance really um what, what about those uh what, those japanese jokes huh <laughs> do you think those worked or no <laughs> um no yeah i thought they were just kind of cringy like, yeah, I know it, that they're supposed to be cringy, but I was like, okay. It, it's one of those things that it's cringy, and I get that. I mean, I don't think he was trying to, like, a PTA was trying to be offensive or anything. He was well, just clearly kinda, he's making fun of people he, who are being yeah. offensive. Like, he, it's clearly, like, to make fun of. It's not him actually thinking, oh, this is hilarious yeah. to put it in as a serious joke. It's but satire. At the, at the same time, you could cut that character out completely, and you wouldn't miss anything. So, like, I don't, and I have seen, like, people that are kind of offended by it, so I'm like, why risk putting that in your movie if it doesn't add anything? <laughs> it just seems kind of pointless. That's the thing that I feel like could definitely be cut out for me. It was, again, like, oh, you're making fun of blatant racism. You are a genius, Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> Way to go. You deserve a pat on the back. An Oscar. Best written. Best screenplay. Congratulations. <laughs> like, it's just, like it's not clever it just isn't sorry um like if you're gonna do it have it you know like he had to be like trey parker and matt stone where it's like you're doing it really creatively yeah in a way like yes you it's blatantly offensive but you're doing it in a way to make fun of it that has a creative <laughs> element to it not just oh look at this person being blatantly racist isn't that funny and outdated and i think it undermines the idea of like implicit racism that you know that we probably should be talking about and yeah the, yeah um the uh the guy who sells gary his first waterbed is uh leonardo dicaprio's dad interesting i did see a dicaprio in there i was like is that person related to leonardo dicaprio i was like is it his brother or something yeah it's his dad apparently huh i don't know i think i don't even know if he's like a big actor or anything but or was at the time um the tree doesn't fall far from the apple yeah yeah um i did think the one scene where like alana's trying to get into the industry and she goes to meet with i don't know if it's like a talent agent or something he's like just say yes to everything and oh yeah lady was like insane that was pretty good <laughs> that's a pretty funny scene it's like a, they held this close-up on her and i thought her performance was great her delivery mm. was fantastic all in like one take too yeah just really good um but otherwise i think that 
Oh, uh, Consumal and Wax, I think, was probably my favorite part of the movie because then you actually see the mature side of Alana, mm-hmm. and it, you're like, oh, man, I actually feel bad for her. She actually thought she was having this relationship with this guy who turns out to be gay, and you feel for Councilman Wax, too, and Matthew, his significant other, and I thought that was the most mature part of the film. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Alana is capable of these moments, and processing this and growing from this and gary is not like gary is not there like like she said all she all gary heard from anything was, was that the pinball yeah the we need to buy legalized which again that's an interesting little fun fact that i I'm did sure not- <laughs> everyone in hollywood was like oh my gosh i remember when that happened best picture best screenplay why would do you know why it was legal illegal i don't know some probably some form of like gambling yeah probably um but uh, I thought that that actor had it put in a great performance too as Councilman Wax. Um, yeah, one of the Safdie brothers. Let's see. Uh, yeah, that was I. Like I said, I just that was the part I enjoyed the most because it was like you can clearly see that Alana has a maturity level that Gary does not, and then for them to go back and like, oh, we need each other. I'm like, no. You don't. Mm-hmm. Gary's a sleaze bag, and he makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, and I get that he is kind of the epitome of everything that's in his culture, and you're critiquing the culture through that, but you're also just saying, nah, he's all right. He doesn't need to change. He's an okay guy. Um, <coughs> so, Excuse me. yeah, I mean, th- those are my thoughts on the movie. I just think it's overrated. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't really have much more to say. I honestly, I liked it quite a lot. Um, yeah, I just found it very entertaining overall. All righty, Holden. Cringe humor, good cringe humor for some of it. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? All right, so this week I actually, I don't think I've watched any movies, so that's a first. Um, What I've mostly been focusing on uh, finishing up Euphoria, so I guess I did watch the the two kind of specials for that. It's very good. Both of those specials were made during the pandemic, and so it's, like, both of them, it's only, like, two actors on screen at a time and very contained stories, mostly just a lot of talking. But Euphoria is so good. I am I am hooked onto it. I'm excited for the new season coming out. Those two special episodes, specifically the first one, is was excellent it was so good that is literally just two people sitting in an, a restaurant and talking for 50 minutes and it was so good i i am so excited to see what happens in the next season so count me as a euphoria fan whatever they call themselves they probably have some weird fandom name um me for me for yeah exactly um and I guess I just finished that last night, so I haven't been really watching anything else on TV. Been playing Guardians of the Galaxy, still really good. the p- The plot is a lot different. It's going in different directions than I thought. It's it's kind of interesting. Um, still 
pretty funny. Um, I think the combat might be the weakest part. It's getting better, and it's it's like good, but I feel like once you get it, you get it, and then it's just kind of like, oh well, I I understand how to do these fights, so I'll, that's how I'm gonna do them. It's still entertaining, some good banter during the fights. I'm definitely, I, I'm still quite enjoying my time with this game. And like I said, I'm there's more like powers and stuff you unlock as, as the game goes on. So combat is getting more interesting. It's just, I feel like immediately after the first few hours, it gets, a, it goes, it dips a little, but it's climbing back up. Um, but enjoyable game. Um, think that's that's really it um i got ratchet and clank so i'll be playing that next oh boy very excited for that but what about you jimmy what have you been doing um i've watched another few episodes of succession so i'm through four episodes on that i like it i don't love it at this point it's mm-hmm. very good um very well acted but i'm not i wouldn't say i'm hooked yet sure but it's only been four episodes so uh and then i have been playing death loop and um it's good i enjoy playing it quite a bit i don't think it is as like rewarding as i would like to be like i i feel like you're not rewarded as much for exploration as i think you could have been but maybe i'm just missing stuff like i would like to be piecing this information Mm -hmm. together kind of more organically and i think it's more like if you go here during the day according to this objective you can find out this thing rather than i'm just going to go to this location go explore see what i find and then use that information craft objectives from that and then start laying out my plan it seems like it's like i i like the linear nature of it i think if it was completely non-linear it'd be like oh my gosh i have no idea what to do it could be very (laughs) overwhelming but it's like I will go and explore a place for hours, like an over an hour at a time, and then learn like one thing. It's like or acquire like one thing after like going out of my way to explore. And I guess I could just go do the thing that's the objective for that time in like, you know, 15, 20 minutes. But I was like, oh, there's really not like I don't feel rewarded for organically exploring places. Mm. Um. But yeah, I I still overall think it's a really fun game. Um, but uh, yeah, so we'll yeah. see uh, how that continues to develop and how much time I'll have to play it once I go back to the good old grind here, Holden. Yeah, my but, my brother Xander started that as well, so he's nice. enjoying it. Nice. Um, otherwise, I don't think uh, Emily and I haven't watched any of The Crown this week. And I think that is it. So, yeah. Sweet. Um, Yeah, in that case, next week, kind of need to decide what we're going to do next week. Obviously, Boba Fett, episode two. Um, Kingsman? We could. Otherwise, we can do most anticipated movies and games of next year as well. Yeah. I think that would be fun to do. Yeah, we could do that. Um if we want to do i i wouldn't mind doing kingsman as well we'll we'll see we'll at least have boba fett for you we'll at least have most anticipated, anticipated movies movies i think we should throw games on there too because 2021 there's some big games coming there's out. some stacked games yeah some stacked games we'll do our i think we talked about doing our best of the year list around oscar season 
Yeah. Um, just so then we are able to see more of the like Oscar bait movies that have come out and we haven't been able to see yet. Because so. like, my actual favorite movies of 2020, I didn't see until like <laughs> April of last yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it really made my top movies of 2020 list outdated by mm-hmm. that point. So yeah, we're going to wait till then to do our, our favorite movies of the year for yeah. that reason. Um, and we'll wait, we'll do our worst then too. Cause maybe we'll see some stinkers, uh, then by four then probably not we're not well, going to count morbius in there so well you could probably do your worst your least favorite movies of the year next week i mean i don't think there's going to be oscar bait movies that will say are the worst probably movies ever. yeah maybe but i'll leave that up to you holden okay all right uh anything uh, else or are you ready yeah. to take us home yeah take us home um so if you want to leave us a request you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or by emailing us at tauntpodcast at gmail.com or by donating to our Patreon. Um, I think that's it, Jimmy. All right. Adios, pantalones. Love you.